Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. Acts chapter 6, uh, 16 verses 6 through, uh, 6 through 15. If you remember last week, if you were with us last week, uh, Paul, we've been following Paul on his missionary journey. We saw last week the grace of God, that God, God's strength overcomes human weakness. That, oh, there you go. Um, God's strength overcomes human weakness. And uh, we saw Paul working through the inconsistency of having Timothy circumcised. We saw that he, um, he had division with Barnabas. Uh, but God continued to work. And God continued to move. And again, this week we see God moving with power. So I'm going to read Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 15. And they, that's Paul and Silas, went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the woman, women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Let's pray. Father God, we need your help to understand your word. For we are in a, in a time this morning where we feel confused, but we see in your word that Paul was confused. Paul did not know what to do. But you guided him and you led him and you went before him and you worked. So God, would you raise our spirits this morning? Would you speak to us through your word and sink our heart, sink this truth deep into our hearts that we may love you and follow you more closely? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, when Suzanne and I uh, lived in St. Louis, she worked at a school called the Freedom School. And the Freedom School was a very special school. The Freedom School was a ministry of our church there. And the mission of our church in St. Louis was particularly to bring people together from all different backgrounds, from all the nations. And so the church had a significant ministry among the refugee population in St. Louis. And so at the Freedom School, uh, they brought together kids from all different walks of life. They brought together church kids from the suburbs. They brought together refugee kids who were also church kids from the city. And they brought all these kids together. And because many of these kids were refugee kids, primarily from the, uh, the nation of Burma or Myanmar, there were many of these Burmese refugee kids. And they, of course, as refugees, they didn't have a lot of money. And so uh, the school did not charge much in the way of tuition. And our kids went there, but honestly, at the time, we didn't have a lot of money either. 
because I was in seminary, I was in school, and so we didn't pay hardly any tuition either. And so you have all these kids coming together, not paying tuition, and they're trying to teach them at the school, and it seems like such a good and important thing. Because in, in St. Louis, in the part of the city where these kids were living, the public schools were just not, not very good. So they were, teach, they were teaching them, they were teaching them the love of Jesus, they were bringing together kids from all different backgrounds. And so it was a great school, and Suzanne taught there for a while. One of the things that was challenging, though, is that multiple times while we were there, we would be told in church, we need to pray and we need to give because the Freedom School is almost out of money. And they would have staff meetings. And they would say, well, we can pay this week. We can pay this month. And we're praying to the Lord for next month. <laughs> and truthfully, the Lord always provided. The Freedom School is still going. But you wonder, like, why, why does this have to be so hard? Why is it always right on the edge of not having enough? Why do these faithful teachers and administrators have to wonder whether they're going to get paid next month when they're doing such good work, when they're trying to do something good? And you've got to believe here, again, Luke tells the story and acts fairly quickly, but Paul has to be frustrated here. He has to be confused. Back at verse 6, they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. I mean, forbidden to speak the word? Like Paul has been sent out by the Holy Spirit, sent out by the church, and now he can't speak the word? That doesn't make any sense. When they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go in Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Why not? And so we imagine Paul frustrated. But what do we see? We see that God is at work. God's plans are beyond us. So because God's plans are beyond us, we must follow his path. And that's what Paul did here. And that's the model for us this morning, is Paul followed the plans of God, even though he could not possibly have understood them. So we three, see three specific elements of how Paul is following God's plans and what we can learn from them. We can persevere in times of hardship. We must listen to Jesus and we must walk with wisdom. So we persevere in hardship, we listen to Jesus, and we walk with wisdom. And through all that, we still wonder, why though? Why does God make us do this? So as we reflect on that, keep that question in mind. Why does God call us to walk in this way? First, to persevere in hardship. We see that clearly. The, it, the thing is, Paul must have been frustrated by this, but he didn't stop. He did not stop. When the Holy Spirit first forbade them to speak the word in Asia, then they tried to go in Bithynia, and that didn't work. And so he, he turned to the vision. He got the vision. He kept going. You know what, though? He had the vision of the man from Macedonia. He didn't know he was gonna, what he was going to find there. There wasn't much going on in Macedonia. We'll see that when we get there. So Paul persevered in hardship. And following in the same way, that is our calling as Christians. I wish I could tell you that the Christian life is easy, but it's not. And the hardships go far beyond just being in a cold tent outside on a windy day. In some ways, this is, this is wonderful. We're together. We're hearing God's word. If it starts raining, we have shelter over us. But all of you know there are many more hardships. Those of you who have been following Christ for a long time know that it has not made your life easy. And the calling of a Christian 
is not to seek ease, but to persevere through hardships. I mentioned the, the Freedom School in our church in St. Louis. One of the great things I took away from that church, uh, they talked much there about suffering because the church was in a hard place. It was trying to bridge the gap between rich and poor, between white and black, between people who grew up in America and people who grew up in other nations, bridging all kinds of gaps. And doing that involves walking in a lot of suffering. Many church members who could have otherwise lived out in nice places, they went and they moved in to harder parts of the city to live and minister there. And one of the things that, that the, the leadership of that church always taught us that was so important to remember is that when we pray in the midst of suffering, we do not primarily pray that the suffering would be taken away. Instead, we pray primarily that God would teach us through it, that God would sustain us. And that is the example that Paul calls us to. That is the example that all of the Bible calls us to. Is there's, there's nothing wrong with praying for God to take away suffering. I pray daily that God would t lift this virus from us. But every time I pray that, I turn around and say, but God, but first teach us who you are. Teach us to follow you. Show us yourself. Sustain us in the midst of this. That is our calling as Christians. And so the, we persevere in hardship. We pray for God to reveal himself to us. And then we listen to Jesus. Paul had no question. When he had been stopped, we don't know what it means that he was prevented. The spirit of Jesus did not allow them. We don't know what that looked like to them. But Paul knew. Luke knew what it meant. Luke understood. And then the vision comes in verse 9. Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision immediately, we sought to go on to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Paul was listening to Jesus. And when Jesus spoke, he went. He did what he, he responded when Jesus stopped him. He responded when Jesus called him. That was what Paul did. And so we are called to do the same. And it's hard to do. It's hard to listen to Jesus. Not, none of us are Paul. And we do not expect to hear the Holy Spirit in exactly the same way that Paul did. I have never seen a man, I did not see a man from Virginia Beach before I moved here. I don't expect that any of you will see those visions. That's not the normal way that God operates. But sometimes he does. And when he does, we should listen. And more importantly, he's given us his word. His word has been written down that we can listen to it. But just saying, okay, but there's a lot here. So what does it mean that we listen to Jesus through his word? Sometimes we have to quiet our hearts to hear what God is saying. To hear what he is saying through his word. To hear what he is saying through our times of prayer. What part of his word is for us today? What choices do we make? What does wisdom look like when his word is not clear? These are the things for which we need to listen to Jesus. And we need to learn to filter out the noise, to hear the voice of our Savior, the voice of our shepherd. It's like when you're in a party and there's a lot of people talking, not that any of us have been at parties anytime recently or anytime very soon, but you can remember and you can look forward to when it's good and it's noisy and it's loud and there's just lots of noise going. And yet, if someone says your name across the room, you hear them and immediately you're like, what? Somebody said my name way over there. Or if somebody you care about, your child, your spouse, your good friend, you hear them speaking and all of a sudden you hear their voice and everybody else fades into the background and you can hear them even from a distance away. And it's the same way for us as we listen to Jesus. 
We learn through practice. We learn through prayer to filter out all the noise that is around us and listen to the voice of our Savior as He speaks through His Word and He brings different parts of His Word to mind for us at different times. So we, we persevere in hardship. We listen to Jesus and we walk with wisdom. I love this little detail in verse, uh, in verse 13. On the Sabbath day, we went outside to the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. We didn't know. The we there is because it seems that Luke has joined in with Paul and Silas and the others. They did not know. They went to Macedonia. They did not know what was to happen. I talked about persevering in hardship and listening to Jesus. To go to Macedonia was a big step. There was no synagogue there. That's what we see, that they went out to a place of prayer. There was a place of prayer by the river because there was no Jewish synagogue. There were not enough Jewish people in Macedonia to have a synagogue. The, the, we, we understand that the requirement for synagogue was 10 men. 10 men and their families. That was it. There was not even that in Macedonia. All there was was a group of a few women who faithfully went outside to the river, went out to the river to pray. And they were worshipers of God. They weren't fully Jewish necessarily. They were, may have been God-fearing Gentiles, but they knew something of the true God. And Paul walked in wisdom. He said, well, I don't, there's no synagogue here. I'm not sure exactly what to do. Saw a man from Macedonia, but he didn't tell me exactly what to do. I suppose there's a place of prayer. Let's go find it and speak the word to them. And that's exactly what happened. And so as Paul walked with wisdom, he walked on the path that he could see and God was at work. Did you see that in verse 14? Lydia, a woman from, from the city of Thyatira, a city, seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. God had already gone before them. He had prepared the heart of Lydia. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And then she was baptized and her household. And the church was born. The church at Philippi. They would become one of Paul's favorite churches. The ones who would support him in his further missionary work even when nobody else would. And there's miracles coming. Next week we'll hear of the miracles that Paul does, that God does through Paul in Philippi. But for us we remember today that Paul walked with wisdom even though he couldn't see the path. Sometimes the path would scare us. That's why they put blinders on horses. So they can only see what's in front of them. So they cannot see what's going on over here and be, take fright or be scared by it. They don't have to worry about the plans. They don't have to worry about all that was going on. They have the blinders and they put one foot in front of the other. And so in God's goodness, in His kingdom, in His mercy, we want to know everything. We want to ask why, but God says, you, that is not for you. You are better off with the blinders on. You are better off not being able to see all that is going on. We leave that in God's hands and we walk in faith. All we can do is put one foot in front of the other. So for us in this time of uncertainty, that is our calling. To simply put one foot in front of the other. To do what God has put before us. We're here in this tent because it seemed, it seemed like the wise and right thing to do. Not the most put together worship service ever. Not everything worked. But we walk in the wisdom that we can. We say, well, we have a place that we can meet. We can set up a tent. We can gather a few people together. We can join other people together through Zoom. We don't know how this is all going to work out. I don't know what's next. I don't know what's next for our nation. I don't know what's next for our church.
but I know that God is in control. And yet we still wonder why. Why does this have to be the way? Even we stop wondering why, why is all this going on? Why is this the way that God made it? It's a question we never fully get answered. But one thing we know is that God is not distant. That when God came down in Jesus, then Jesus came down from heaven. He came to walk among us. He came to experience hardship and pain and suffering. He came to gather outside with people to teach them the ways of God, to experience our life. He came to take on our very lives. Even more than our lives, He came to take on our sins so that when it is not only the circumstances that come around us and hinder us, but our own failings, our own sins, Jesus comes and takes that on too. And He took all those sins to the cross in the ultimate suffering. And not only did He come down to experience life with us, His great promise is that in His death on the cross, in His resurrection from the dead, He then brought each of us into His own life. He draws us into His family to be one with Him. And the great truth that the rest of the New Testament lays out after Jesus' death and resurrection is that we have become one with Him by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that means we walk in a life of suffering. That just as Jesus suffered, we too suffer with Him. The Bible is clear throughout that we suffer with Him. But we are also going to glory with Him. That there is no crown without first the cross. And that as Jesus went to the cross and suffered and died and rose from the dead and is now enthroned on high, as we walk through this life, we go up and down. We walk the path of suffering with Him knowing that He went first and suffered greater. And He shields us from the worst of it. And yet He takes us through some clinging to the hope that in the end He will rise, raise us up from the dead as well. Raise us up to life in His eternal kingdom, life in union with Him, in fellowship with one another, with Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Father for all time. That is good news. That is our hope. That is our only hope that we cling to in the midst of times of uncertainty when Jesus says no. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your love. We pray that you would continue to sink this truth into our hearts. That you would guide us, guide us in wisdom. Show us what you have for us. Guide our steps, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.